This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Art of Charm. I'm your host, Jordan Harbinger. I'm here with producer Jason DeFilippo. Here at AOC, we, of course, don't have the answer to everything, but we try to answer your questions here on Fan Mail Friday, which is one of my favorite types of shows, Jason. I don't know about you, but it's it's cool to interact with people, and it reminds me a little bit, in a weird way, of my live radio days on Sirius XM Satellite Radio, where we used to take callers, which I think is fun. And uh, yeah, someday maybe we'll go back to that format. But right now, I love actually making people detail their questions out. I think there's a benefit to having people think things out not in real time with you on the phone, but actually sit down and write it. Because I think half the people come up with the solution to their own problem halfway through writing, and then we sort of cap it off with a little bit of how-to, tactical, and or approval or disapproval of their current situation, uh, or the way they're handling the current situation. Never underestimate the disapproval. That's right. The disapproval works just as much as the approval. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody who knew I was in Vegas, emceeing Thrive, which is a charity event that I do every year. And I got out probably an hour before everything went down over there. And unfortunately... A lot of Thrive attendees went to the Mandalay Bay to the one of the top floor, the foundation room or something like that it's called, and they had a, a dinner there with a couple of folks like, I don't know, Grant Cardone and all those cats, and they were hanging out, and I declined to go because I want to get home and relax and you know, be be a lazy butt, and they were trapped there all night to, for eight hours for, with the SWAT team laying on the floor. It's, I got a lot of warm, heartfelt messages from email, on Facebook, et cetera, even on Instagram, where I recently am, and I can, I'll can i talk about that later, I guess. But yeah, can you imagine being stuck on a floor for eight hours? I, laying on a floor, oh man, just, it's better than, it's better than the alternative. Better suppose, than the but, alternative, yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and they, you know, the SWAT team was doing their job. They just got to make sure that everybody is who they say they are, so. Exactly. You know, you can't, you can't fault those guys for doing their job. Yeah, I, t- man, talk about a tough, a tough gig. But uh, thank you for everybody who checked in on me. I appreciate that. Uh, And let's cut to Fan Mail Friday. Let's do it. Dear Art of Charm crew, perhaps you can help me with something. I'm a hearing-impaired woman born 50% deaf in both ears. I wear small hearing aids, barely visible, so most people don't know about them when talking to me. Due to my hearing impairment, I sometimes struggle in conversations. It can be a challenge in a group setting, in a restaurant, or anywhere there's loud background noise. What I've found is that people don't like to be asked to repeat themselves more than once, especially men. Even my husband agrees, saying, I hate when I have to keep repeating myself. So when I don't hear something, I'll politely ask, I'm sorry, what was that again? And people are happy to repeat it. 
But after that, if I still can't hear them, I simply smile or nod, using their facial expression as a guide to how I should react. Obviously, this doesn't always work. I've gotten myself in trouble before by acting inappropriately because I didn't hear what was said, i.e. smiling or frowning when the opposite was required. It makes me look like an idiot. I've tried saying, I'm hearing impaired, I didn't hear you again. Third time's the charm, or something similar. The conversation still comes to a screeching halt at that point. What can you recommend is a way to keep the conversation going when I didn't hear what was said. Also, I was taught lip reading as a young child. It's a very effective listening tool, but in a loud setting where you need to be close to the person you're talking to, my staring at a man's mouth while he speaks can seem intimate, and I find some men starting to flirt with me in this scenario. I'd like to suggest to people that lip reading is not an evocative behavior, but rather a way to communicate, just in case you find yourself conversing with someone and they are closely watching your lips move. Thanks for listening. Deaf, not dumb. You know what's funny is uh, a lot of the quote, a lot of men seem to think that lip reading is a is some sort of intimate thing. I, I don't think that men think that. I think it literally is that anything can be misconstrued that way. <laughs> this is true. We're talking about guys here. Yeah. yeah, guys who are attracted to you are like, okay, well, she's still talking to me, so... I'm in. I don't think it's a lip reading. I mean, maybe, sure, staring at the mouth, there's that whole, the the triangle where it's eye-eye-mouth, and that can seem intimate and blah, 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 but honestly, I think it's just that you're still talking to them after five seconds, and that's what that's the evocative <laughs> yeah, gesture. You, have, you haven't run away yet, so they think they have a chance. Exactly. Um, that said, though, I can't, I also can't hear certain frequency voices. It's really strange. I have to ask some certain people to repeat what they say often. Some of this is my lack of attention because I see a lot of things at once and I can't really turn that part of my brain off. I see a lot of things going on. I'm listening to multiple conversations, sort of overstretching myself there. But I think it's okay to inconvenience people a tiny bit if you're talking to them, whatever, you know, make them repeat themselves. Who cares? They'll get used to speaking louder with you if that's what's necessary. And if they get frustrated, Fine, whatever. You don't need everyone to like you. And as far as the lip reading thing is, cool. I think that's great. If guys are flirting with you, it's kind of a bummer if you're just trying to communicate. But um, here's what I suggest. If you're lip reading and you think, uh-oh, he thinks I'm flirting with him or you're worried that that might happen, put that concentrated expression on your face. It looks like a little scowl, but it also looks like you're struggling to hear, which is fine. It's sort of a nonverbal signal that says, hey, speak up. You can also turn your head slightly to the left or to the right. So now you might be looking at their lips, but it might be sort of a sideways glance. This we call at the Art of Charm on our programs, we call it this neutral or negative body language. And so instead of full on facing forward, looking at their face, which is a positive impression, uh, more intimate because you're facing them, they might be facing you. That is what probably they're misconstruing as a, an evocative behavior if you turn your head slightly and maybe even your body you have that neutral and negative body language so you might be lip reading but the the rest of your body is saying i'm not that interested and it'll balance out and it'll be very clear that you're not trying to close your psychological space does that make sense jason does that visual yeah it absolutely makes sense and i was i was as you were saying it i was like testing it with my microphone like how i would turn my shoulders or drop them a little bit to not be so engaged in pointing right at them you know you have to look at them to be to read the lips, but you can definitely turn your head and kind of, you know, just pull away. And not, so your whole body is not engaged. I totally get what you're saying on that. Yeah. So, cause I have a feeling she's leaning in forward to read the lips and facing them. And they're like, wow, you know, I'm getting a lot of positive. This is subconscious, but they're thinking, wow, I'm getting a lot of 
positive body language. She's really into me. But if, if you take that away and you're still looking at their mouth, they'd have to be a little bit more dense than the average guy to think that that's still a signal of interest, especially if you have that the concentrated look on your face. So it, it's a bummer because it's a little bit of a trade-off, but at least then you'll be able to understand people. And frankly, it will also train people to speak louder or slower or whatever you need after a while. And look, even if some people are like, I'm so frustrated, I had to repeat myself. Oh, well, sorry. Bummer. They're not the one who has to deal with it every day. That's the way I look at it. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I've been to too many punk rock shows, and I too can't hear certain frequencies. And I have to ask people all the time to repeat themselves. And I just say, talk louder. I cannot hear you. Talk louder, you know, and just make them talk louder. And if, even if it takes three or four times, because I, I can be deaf as a post, like I cannot hear you. And then if they still won't talk louder, I'll just go back to eating my fries and move on. Yeah, pretty much. I doubt anything these people are giving you. You're not getting the cure for cancer in most yeah. of these conversations. So, <laughs> no doubt. But I feel you on not wanting to be embarrassed. All right, next up. Dear Jordan, I'm writing this email to you and the AOC family because I'm literally lost and confused on what the hell to do in my life. I'm a nine-year vet, six years active, and three years in the reserves. I'm separated from the reserve military on medical issues, but besides that, since my transition to the civilian sector, life hasn't been the most pleasant. I'd relocated to a city with an ex of seven years who then immediately left me because I was transitioning careers. She said she would leave me if I was to go on a third deployment as well. The transition, plus dealing with some effects from the military like PTSD, depression, suicide attempts and tendencies, sleep issues, and a fair amount of physical injuries that added up over the years. After failed mental health treatment and medication that turned me into a zombie, this all led me to severe drinking and then a DUI. That then led to me being kicked out of nursing school. Keep going onward into the future, and now I'm scrambling to finish a degree that I don't care about because I can't seem to land a job without one, and I'm in debt way over my head from having to live off of credit cards and past alcoholism. With all of this going on and all that's happened, I literally have no idea with what I want to do with my life. No passions, no interests. That, and I would love a break from this dark cloud that's been hovering over me for the last three years. Anyway, any advice would be greatly appreciated. I've been listening to AOC for months now, and I'm really trying to apply as much of what I can from it to my life. Thank you guys for all that you do. Sincerely, The Lost Corman. Yeah, this um, this is a medical issue, right? There's This isn't just like, oh, I've been feeling down, I keep waking up on the wrong side of the bed. Physical injuries, PTSD, alcoholism, There, there's... This is not just you need to get your stuff together. I know you feel bad because you're, it sounds like you're sort of started off as an overachiever type guy, nine-year vet. You know, you're not used to being lost and confused and not knowing what to do, which is fine. But there's this is officially crossed the Rubicon with the substance stuff and the DUI and the, and the actual what sounds like clinical depression. So you need to get medical help for this. I would recommend, and I know that I'm, probably this is a little bit uh, Pollyanna, but can the VA not help with that? I feel like that might be one of those organizations that's well-known as broken, but you definitely need to get VA help or you need to get medical help for this. The family should be able to help you. I know that you're on the outs with some of your family as well, but we need to make sure that you get into rehab slash depression treatment slash a 12-step program. This is not something that's going to be solved with self-help type stuff. This isn't going to be 
keep a calendar and get up in the morning and do jumping jacks. Make your bed's not going to fix this. Right. Make your bed's not going to fix that. And as far as the educational stuff, I would say learn a trade. Look, forget the degree if you don't care about it. If you can go do something with your hands, that's fine and a very good start. I feel like you're adding other pressure to yourself in addition to having these this issue with the the debt and the alcoholism and all the other stress. You're really adding to it by going, I got to do this thing with the, the college degree. You don't. There's going to be a lifetime of managing the addiction and some of the psychological stuff here, which is is fine. Uh, you need to get that process started. And you got to be strong for your future significant others as well. There's a lot of relationship strain here that happens with these types of things. And I understand that you've had relationship issues in the past in part because of this. So you got to be really careful with where this leads because if you don't fix the underlying issues here, it's not going to get fixed with external stuff. So therapy it is, man, as, as soon as you can. Even And yes, it sucks if you have to go out of pocket, it's going to be a huge problem. There's a lot of organizations that might be able to help you. Um, I think starting at the VA might help as well. But if you can ask a therapist if they can work on a sliding scale as well, that would be helpful because you need to get this handled. This isn't something you should even try to be tackling on your own. Keep in touch and let us know how you progress. All right, Jason. Hi, Jordan and the team. I went out with this girl, I'm a guy by the way, on a first date. Found her attractive and really interesting as a person. Date didn't go long as she had dinner plans after, but I thought we had a pretty nice rapport, pleasant and engaging conversation. For further context, prior to the date, we texted back and forth for about a week and actually had a pretty good line of communication going. She'd already found me funny and smart at that point. Since she seemed like a straightforward person, I decided not to wait the customary one to two days before texting and sent her a text later that night saying I had a great time and would like to see her again. She responded next day, saying that she had a good time too, but didn't feel the chemistry that she's looking for. However, she'd like to remain friends. Therein lies my dilemma. If this was just a physical attraction, I'd just say forget it. Why linger and hope that one day she'll change her mind and torture myself in the process? However, I actually really like her outlook on life, what she reads, and how she thinks. It seems being around this person, even as a friend, would be good for me. Especially if it's true that you're the average of five people around you, she'd definitely bring up that average. But I just don't see how one makes a transition to friendship after a romantic rejection. And I don't know what else to call it. What are your thoughts and advice on the matter? Also, would it seem awkward to invite her to a group gathering with friends and introduce her as, uh, we went out on a date but it didn't work out? She looks very much like my type, so my friends would immediately know that I wasn't likely the one saying no. Appreciate any perspective you could share on this. Cheers, Zeus. Yeah, uh, no. This is not going to work for you because this he's emotionally connected or attached, I should say, Yeah. to her. I mean, he, he look, at the end of the day, Zeus, you don't want to be friends with her. You want her. Yeah. So this isn't going to work for you. I know you're worried about what your friends are going to think. It doesn't even matter. That's the least of your problems. You're not going to transition to a friendship because you weren't friends first with this. You like her. She doesn't like you in that way so anything that you have going in the future is going to result in in the near future I should say covert contracts in other words you're gonna hang out a bunch and a bunch and a bunch and a bunch and then she's gonna go oh I want to date one of your friends and then what's gonna happen are you gonna be mad are you gonna be like oh it's fine because you know it didn't work out between us no you're gonna be super pissed because you're hoping that by being friends with her it's gonna turn into something but it's not it's gonna turn into a mess because you're just trying to wait for your opportunity 
uh, and showcase yourself and then get her to like you. And you know, look, there's a 10% chance that actually works, but there's a 90% chance that it turns into a big effing mess. So I would say work on yourself. Look, you might be great now, but you can always work on yourself. And it's not that you're not good enough for this person, right? The, it doesn't mean that you can't get someone like her. It, it can just be chemistry. It doesn't have to mean something about you, right? This rejection doesn't have to be you're not good enough. When I say work on yourself, I just mean you should always be moving forward. And I, I guarantee you, anybody who's constantly improving themselves is going to look at most people around them who are not also improving themselves all the time, and they're going to upgrade or they're going to go, why am I still around these folks? So that's why when you're constantly moving forward, you don't have to worry about this kind of thing because you constantly get opportunities with great people all the time. So don't take this personally. It doesn't have to mean anything about you, but no, you're not going to be friends with her right away because you don't really want to be friends, if we're speaking honestly, I can tell. And don't force it. Keep on trucking. Don't worry about her at all for now. Just move on. Be cordial. You don't have to un- you don't have to unfriend, but I-, I would definitely not try to loop her into all your personal stuff because I-, I can just tell from this letter, you don't really want to be friends. You want her to be your girlfriend, and it's not going to happen, and it's going to turn into a big mess, and you're probably going to embarrass yourself in the process and make everything a lot worse. So don't do it. There you go. I know that's not the answer you want, but that's the answer that you're going to get. Johnny, we know if you listen to the show, you are driven. In fact, we're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to recent Indeed survey. We have hired a lot of team members over the last 17 years. Going through endless resumes, well, that's a time sink. But you know what else is a time sink? Interviewing endless people, because they're all going to give you the best face forward. That's why we love Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every single day. Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash charm. Just go to indeed.com slash charm right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash charm. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Over the last 17 years, we have launched our fair share of online courses, coaching programs, and finding the right platform has always been a challenge. They say if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. But if you're an entrepreneur, you know the hard work that comes with it. That's why you need Kajabi. Kajabi makes it easy to run your entire online business from one platform so you can focus on what you love, creating. Kajabi is the ultimate all-in-one platform that helps creators and entrepreneurs build successful online businesses by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. No matter your niche, 
Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and more. The best part? Kajabi doesn't cut into your revenue because everything is owned and controlled by you. So keep 100% of what you earn. And with Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates all built in. You don't even need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com slash charm. That's K-A-J-A-B-I dot com slash charm. Go to kajabi.com slash charm and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $7 billion. All right, Jason, next up. Hey, AOC. I need help talking to my younger brother who's seven years younger than me and just graduated from high school. He's a hard worker and has done more at his age than any of his friends. He got an internship with a real estate and investment firm as their social media manager. The problem and reason for contacting you is because of the bosses at his job. They are guys who have all built businesses from nothing and are people who didn't go to college. My brother got into a great private university here in Minnesota but he's struggling with the thought of student loans. He doesn't want to go to school because of the thought of loans, and he sees how I'm dealing with loans from that same university. My family is now in a fight with him over college, saying he needs an education. My family comes to me to talk to him because I'm the sibling that is closest to him. Another problem with it all is that I don't believe he needs to go to college right now if he's gaining experience in what he wants to do. He's already studying to become a realtor, and the company he is working at is going to mentor him through the whole thing. I need help talking it all through with him. I do believe a degree is worth it if you can see the benefit to it, but if it's just to please the mother, is it really worth fighting the parents or convincing them to give him time to try out the real world? I've so far been saying just give the first year a try and go from there, but he still is completely and only focused on the money aspect of college. Thanks again for all the insight you give in every podcast, and I hope to one day be able to meet some of you in person. Signed, Brother in a Pickle. Yeah, this is tough because obviously parents think that they're doing the best for your younger brother and they don't want him to make any mistakes. But I will say right now, a lot of you know how I feel about college having gone there for seven years, but I don't think it's useless. But I do think that there's a very good chance that he's going to go through this expensive degree and he's going to be lucky to get an internship with a real estate or investment firm as their social media manager right now, and, and except he's going to lose a bunch of time and have a bunch of debt. And I would, I think he should try that because college can wait. If I had to go back to school now, I would have studied totally different things than I studied that I studied back then, and they would have been more useful and more interesting, and I would have been it would have been a completely different experience for me. It's hard to go back to college. That's a fair point. Once you start working, once you start having your career and stuff like that, it's harder to go back to school because of the logistics, but it's not impossible. And you know more, a lot more, frankly, about what you want, what you're interested in if you wait. I would do things much differently, like I said. So I would say take the current opportunity and run with it. Half the people in colleges will be wanting the exact same opportunity that he has now after they graduate, except they're just going to have less flexibility. Once you have debt, 
and you owe money, you're on the clock. There's a shot clock. You can't not pay for stuff. Right now, he can probably live like a high school slash college kid, crash on a friend's couch, stay with mom and dad, stay with you, low footprint, needs two pairs of clothes and a sink to wash out his underwear, right? Once you've graduated from college, you've got to have a job that pays enough for you to probably live on your own or at least pay for the the bills that you owe the school, and that's not going away anytime soon. So taking an internship that's unpaid at age 24 or whatever instead of age 20 is a totally different game, especially when you throw debt in there. So I know that the parents mean well, and yeah, education's great, but he's getting education on the job now, which is frankly something that, as somebody who hires people, I would much rather hire somebody who's worked for a company for two years or three years or four years than somebody who went to school and learned a lot about a lot of stuff but has never had a job. I don't even care if they graduated in a with a program f- from the specialty I'm hiring in. I'd rather have somebody with experience. And no college is going to go, "Well, you have job experience, so we don't want you to come here." It's it's easy to go one way, it's very difficult to go the other, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it's going to be a, a little bit of a fight, but he's young. He's got a lot of time to go to school. And so I think it is actually worth fighting the parents and convincing them to give them time to try out the real world. And the way you can frame it is, well, you know, college babies people and he needs to learn how it is in the real world and he'll do better in school when he has a sense of reality and how things work. And there's a lot of students in college that are in their 20s and 30s. He'll be fine. And the way things are changing now, it's good for him to get real world experience and it makes him more of a competitor in college applications process to have job experience, basically frame it as his college experience is going to be much better since he has work experience. And then maybe that will then light a light a candle upstairs with the parents that go, oh yeah, he's going to get into an even better school and a better program and he's going to do better while he's there because of this job experience instead of, oh crap, he's my son's not going to college. What am I going to tell the neighbors? Which is, let's be honest, Probably half of their concern is what are we going to tell other people because I've seen that before as well. So I hope that helps, but I think you're on the right track. I think the job is where it's at for you, bro. Jason, next up. Jordan, just listen to Fan Mail Friday 132. I'm responding to the guest with a religious question on this episode who grew up in a very religious family and attended a church-sponsored school. This guy is a Mormon and attended one of the BYU campuses. Poor bastard. He's one of the tens of thousands of us who grew up Mormon and have since had some form of faith crisis. It can range from either leaving the church completely or becoming a more progressive member, which is an uphill battle. Here's the problem. The church is so intertwined into the religious, social, and professional fabric of the community that leaving is one of the most difficult things you can do. At jeopardy for this guy is his job, love of his parents, and entire network. Depending on the family, most Mormon parents would rather see their child die than leave the faith. No joke. Mormons' greatest goal is to live faithful and be with their families in the next life. The only thing that prevents this is sin or leaving the faith. Death would be sad, but still part of the plan. Leaving the church or becoming less interested in it takes him out of the plan. When I told my sweet, caring, ever-loving Mormon mom that I was leaving the church, she was devastated. Heartbroken and depressed for months, and probably still is, two years later. Only after I confided in her that I had contemplated suicide did she understand how deep this thing goes. When the guest says his dad is going to leave the family business to go be part of the church service, he's referring to the practice of older Mormon couples going to serve a senior mission. 
Think of Mormons riding around in pairs with white shirts and ties knocking on doors. Older couples also go to serve in support-type roles of these poor missionaries. I'm sure this kid served a mission himself. The reason this is important is it shows the activity level of his parents. He's dealing with the same thing I had. My parents can't wait to go volunteer for the church full-time. His battle of coming out to his family is going to suck. Leaving the church was a hell I wish on no one. So this kid is going to need the whole gauntlet of resources. Cool. So we've got a little link here from him, mormonspectrum.org slash map. And it looks like we can link to that in the show notes, of course. This is a, it appears to be different community organizations for Mormon support communities that he can join, depending on his level of belief or unbelief. And I want to be really clear here. I'm, I don't want to pick on Mormons, especially because I I feel like they're the nicest people I've ever met. Honestly, <laughs> I knew a bunch in law school, and I just feel like there's they're so nice when they and the, even the guys that come to your door. If you're like, hey, I really don't want to talk about this right now. They're, I've never I just never really have had the same types of annoying experiences that I've had with a lot of other folks from different places. And I know that it's deeper than what I see on my doorstep or the guys I went to law school with. But I just I don't like picking on specific things like this or religions like this because it's not it doesn't I understand why a mom would want to see their kid in the afterlife even if their belief is something that I don't share I understand why she would be extremely upset about this because to the mom it's so it's more final than death which is something that is a non-believer it's really hard to wrap my head around but I understand that that would be probably the most upsetting thing around so I this is going to be tough, but the resources are here. We're going to link to these and keep us posted. You know, if you want to bounce some stuff or off of us or just vent or tell us how it's going, I'm interested in this because, man, it's just it's just tough. And there's a lot more resources here too. Um, podcasts, including Mormon or ex-Mormon shows. We can link to that. And man, it's funny. The note that's in this email as well about dating, he says, it's going to blow his freaking mind. There are some some other gal that has his same culture and same doubts, and there's a Facebook group called Single Mormon Transitions. We'll link to that. There's uh, some counseling for leaving the church. We'll link to that as well. And, man, there's just a lot of resources here. Jason, can we sort of paste this whole big thing into the show notes somehow? Because there's a lot here. I feel like there's a whole... Yeah, we'll definitely have everything in here. And uh, lastly, he says, find a community of like-minded people. He has tons of people in his circles who would come out but are too scared. Speak up and be a trailblazer. And he goes on to say, my heart went out when I heard this guy's story. Knowing other people went through it and connecting with these people literally gave me the tools to rebuild my life. And uh, he's also happy to help. So maybe, Jordan, we can put them in touch. And yeah, uh, yeah this comes from Mike in Lisbon. Yeah, that's uh, that's really great. Shout out to Mike in Lisbon, Portugal. Not that, I'm sure there's a Lisbon, Ohio or something, so I just want to be clear. He lives in <laughs> Portugal, and uh, these resources look great. We'll link to these, especially for those of you looking at leaving any church, or especially the Mormon church, because some of these are specialized. There's stuff here. But again, I want to just sort of exercise a little sympathy here. I get why his mom is upset. I'm, I don't think that that—it makes perfect sense to me. You know, so I think that this isn't something to take lightly and just snip everything out of your life. It's really, this is kind of like brain surgery from the sound of it and all these resources and, and things like that. I think leaving any church is tough, but I think leaving a church that is so all-encompassing like the Mormon church might be a next level 
operation. So stay in touch. Let us know how this goes, man. I am uh, very curious to hear of your progress. All right, Jason, next up. Hi, AOC team. I'm 32 years old, and I've had a number of phases in my adult life, including a few years as a medical student. More recently, after a long battle with depression, I found work in grounds maintenance, and I really do love my job. However, today while changing garbage bins, I saw an old med school friend that I haven't seen in over 10 years. We didn't say anything to each other, but in the brief moment when we made eye contact, I could see the pity in her eyes like, oh, look how far he's fallen. It kind of ruined my day and just made me angry. How dare she judge me like that? Anyway, my future plan was to go to seminary to train to be a priest, but now I'm kind of compelled to be more selfish and make as much money as I can in order to be successful, just so that I can rub it in her face. So my question is, is anger an effective long-term motivational tool? I'm fired up about it now, but in six months' time, will I even really remember this? I'm also aware that I might be projecting here, so I might even be upset at something that doesn't even exist. Thanks for all the hard work y'all do. Peace. Indignant in Auckland. All right. New Zealand. Yeah, look, here's the problem. And you know this already because you might be projecting here and might be upset at something that doesn't even exist. Yeah. Well, here, it, it does exist in your mind. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> yeah. exist from her. Anger won't sustain you. So let's get that out of the way. Anger will not sustain you. We've all seen people who are motivated by anger and it's just kind of pathetic. Isn't it's, it? Yeah, it's, it's it, and that anger fades so fast. Yeah, you're yeah. angry now, and especially if you hold on to that anger for you know even you know six months, a year, two years. As you grow older, your testosterone starts to fade, and then you're just like, "How was I so stupid and angry when I was a kid?" And it's a crappy way to feel because what what'll happen when you motivate yourself with anger? It comes in waves, right? So you get really angry and really fired up, and then you're like, you, you can't really even focus on something enough to get it done, or you get a little bit done, and then you just feel like crap because you haven't achieved what you want, but you're emotional about it. So then you go back into the depression thing, and then you get angry again. So you're fluctuating between angry and depressed. Are those states in which you're going to be making friends, enjoying your family, enjoying any part of your career. No, you're going to be angry when you're moving forward and depressed when you're not or you know, angry and then move forward and then depressed and not. Yeah, it's kind so of like really, it's basically what I'd like to think of it, it's a hamster wheel of hate. You're yeah. you're you're pedaling really furiously for a little while, then you calm down and you're just like, "Ah, oh, now I'm depressed." And then you start pedaling again, but at the end, you're never going anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And you've got to address these underlying causes. Maybe she didn't even judge you at all. Maybe she felt bad because she knew your potential. And maybe she didn't even recognize you. Who knows, man? Or she thought she you know, was getting in your way while you were changing the bins. Or maybe yeah. she thought you looked familiar and couldn't quite place you and thought, where have I seen this guy? Or, I mean, there's a million other ways that you could have read that situation. But what you did was you projected and said, she clearly thinks I've fallen so short of my potential. So uh, the question I would ask yourself, indignant in Auckland, is how often do you assume people think the worst about you? How often do you assume other people are thinking something negative about you at all? This underlying issue is a problem that will constantly bite you in the ass if you don't get it under control. Just constantly. There's no, there's no good that's going to come from you assuming that other people are thinking something negative about you. And it, it, it is your self-talk. There's a 90% chance she had no clue who you were and she was just trying to throw her coffee cup away or something like that and thought she was getting in your way while you were changing the bins. There's almost no, 
there's no reason for you to think otherwise. Even if she went, oh, hi, indignant in Auckland. How are you? Didn't we used to go to medical school together? Wow, you've fallen so far. You're a garbage man now. That sucks. You should be angry about that for 10 seconds and then let it go and not care. But he's happy with his job. So he would say, yeah, you know what? And I'm happier than I was in med school. How'd it work out for you? Yeah, she might be thinking, geez, I'm so stressed out all the time that I can't, I'm having fertility problems. And here's this person that seems happy changing garbage bins. Why did I work so hard? What if that's what she was thinking? You have no idea. Yeah. You're just assuming the one that doesn't work for you. And I highly recommend go go and watch the movie Office Space. Yeah, there you go. That kind of, it kind of sums up your situation. And it and uh, no spoilers, but definitely check out that movie and wait for the yeah. end. Wait yeah. for the end. Great, great movie, Office Space. One of the one of the classics. If you haven't seen that, go ahead and watch Office Space. I assume there's, that's probably floating around on Netflix somewhere. Oh yeah. And uh, documentary of the week. I look. I love watching Vice. Are you are you watching Vice, Jason? Every night. I watch Vice News tonight every day. Uh, if you don't have any time to watch the, the news, it's it's like cool news, cool news for millennials, from millennials. <laughs> the the people who run it are awesome. They're so sharp. It's got a little bit of a left-leaning bent, which I'm like, okay, whatever. But it's really well done. It, I'm shocked. I remember thinking years ago, why don't they make news cool? Why is it so stuffy? Young people do care about news. They just don't want to watch people go, hey, Bill, oh, it's going to be sunny out there this morning, and we've got a cold front coming in from <laughs> Idaho, so make sure you bring your umbrella. We don't like that. We like watching stuff explode or, you know, hear about how terrible we are for the planet. So that's what Vice is. And if you don't have time to watch it every night, they've got Vice Weekly on Friday, which isn't the daily news, but is a more documentary feel. And they'll do anything from Russian hackers to autism and how they're studying it and monkeys. It's interesting. It's food for your brain. It's for smart millennial types like everyone who's listening to this show, except I know for the older folks, you can enjoy Vice too. You'll just, it'll probably make you feel old because everybody's 25. But, uh, I, I, that's how that works. I'm part of the older crowd. I still love it. And I think hmm. these guys are great journalists. They they really don't, while they're doing the interviews, they don't really put their spin on it very much. They're trying to be professional journalists and not give an opinion. They're just telling the story as it's happening, which I give them mad credit for in this day and age i really enjoy it and, and like i said i'm an oldie so yeah yeah i think you're a lot of the correspondents there are talented and they're going to be the next christian amanpour anderson cooper types only i think possibly even far more interesting absolutely uh, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you on that one yeah i i love uh like well almost everybody on vice weekly is great the vice news tonight crew is really good they're they're just really good and they're you know it's cool they're accessible i'll tweet at them all the time hey great piece on this or what the heck were you doing with your you know hair did you get a new haircut i will literally tweet them that and they reply they're real cool they love the engagement they actually love their craft because they're not going oh geez i've got to do this stupid report about this stupid thing i think they choose their stories so they're always pretty stoked to talk about them online as well. So I love it. Vice News tonight, that is in the HBO app. Uh, you can probably jack it on BitTorrent, too. I actually don't know, but I watch it on the HBO app. That's where I watch it, too. I basically just fire up my uh, HBO on my iPad and do it. I do have to say, as, as an old person, the one thing that you can probably skip if you're over 40 is the music section at the end. Oh, I hate those. They're terrible. I hate those. I skip those every single time. Oh, thank would... God. I'm not alone. <laughs> no. Me and Jen, as soon as it comes on and they show that intro clip from whoever's critiquing music, I just 
shut it off immediately. Yeah. Oh, it's actually annoying. Even if you leave it on in the background, it's like, I just don't want this in my house. No, they're just, they're not. Get off folks. my lawn. That's <laughs> yeah. how I feel about it. All right. Hope you all enjoyed that. Don't forget, you can email us Friday at theartofcharm.com to get your questions answered on the air. I keep everyone anonymous, as you can see. So you can either make up your own funny name or we can do it. If you got feedback for the show, send that on over. We love to argue like we're right, but listen like we are wrong, so don't be shy to hit us up over here. Also, the show notes for this episode can be found at theartofcharm.com slash FMF136. And a quick shout-out to Classless in New Jersey. Was sad that we didn't use her question on Fan Mail Friday because she spent a lot of time making up her nickname. So, Classless <laughs> in New Jersey, we're going to use your nickname anyway. And James Penn in Vienna, who wants to meet other AOC fans out there. He's an expat living over there in Vienna. Are you in a strange land listening to our familiar voices? If so, hit us up. We'll shout you out. Love to hear from you either way. On Twitter, at The Art of Charm is a great way to engage with the show. And you're on Twitter too, right, Jason? Yep, and I'm on Twitter at JPDef. And check out my tech news podcast, Grumpy Old Geeks, every Monday. Go to GOG.show slash iTunes to subscribe. Also, don't forget about The Art of Charm Challenge. Text AOC. That's AOC to the number 38470 in the States. You can also go to theartofcharm.com slash challenge. Take you step by step, becoming better at making personal and professional connections, becoming a better networker, increasing your personal social capital and your charisma. And it's for both guys and gals. So check that out. Text AOC to 38470 or go to slash challenge. More from AOC at theartofcharm.com, including info on our live residential boot camps that we run every week here in LA. If you want to dig into this stuff, work on your skills with us as your coaches. That's theartofcharm.com slash bootcamp. We accept cryptocurrency for all products and programs. Now stay charming, get out there and connect, and leave everyone better than you found them. 